you, Amy. Hi, everybody. I'm going to start by praying. Lord, I thank you this afternoon for your word. I thank you for your spirit that brings life to your word. And Lord, I pray that in this um, message, Lord, even in the simplicity, Lord, that you would reveal something new to us, some new mystery, Lord, that we haven't seen before. Lord, just be with us this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Let's start with 1 Thessalonians 5. Did I give that to anybody? No? Okay. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So this is fairly um, basic. I'm going to be talking about thankfulness. Um, The title is, have we got the title on there? Thank you. Thanks to Mike. I'm not a a techie kind of person, so it's not my strength. Um, Yeah, I believe that this is something that God's put on my heart. Um, And definitely, if I'm really honest, the last few weeks, um, I've really had to practice being thankful. There were times when I've been really grumpy about it, and um, (laughs) I've really had to challenge myself that is this what I really believe? Um, is this something that I'm practicing? Uh, and I'm standing here from a place of learning, not having learned everything that um, God is teaching me in this area. So I hope you agree this is uh, worth us looking into um, to be inspired by again. Last weekend was the marriage conference and um, we had the privilege of having the lovely White's children with us for the Saturday. On the Sunday, Rachel surprised us with a card and presents to say thank you, even though they'd already said thank you for having our children. And in response to the thank you, we then said, oh, thank you for the gifts and so on and so on. I don't know if you've ever had that situation where you've given someone a gift and they've sent a card in the post and you thought, I need to acknowledge the thank you for the thank you and text them, well, thank you for your thank you for the thank you and on and on. So gratitude is contagious. I think sometimes in our culture, it can be something that we do Uh, naturally that we have conversations we talk about the weather a lot we might talk about the rain or it being cold or we might have a little whinge and a little moan we might talk about oh the traffic was so bad today it's taken me ages to get here over an hour just because it was raining or um, oh my neck's really stiff I woke up slept badly or woke up you know with a sore back or Sometimes it's, it's how we bond with each other, maybe a colleague or a neighbor. But when those around us are thankful, we're really encouraged to do the same. On a basic level, it's really good for us. It makes us feel good. 
So something I've been thinking about, um, does our thankfulness always need to be external? Can't we then just be mindful of what we're grateful for? Does it need to always be audibly expressed? Matthew 12, verse 34. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Overflow comes after something is full. So in order to overflow into thanks, the heart must already be full. I'm going to ask my lovely assistant to come and help me. When we, yeah, when we exhale into, into a balloon, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, you can stop there. don't want to scare people. Do you want to tie it? Okay. We know what happens. I don't need to uh, uh, scare people. Um, so when the balloon is full, when it's reached its limit, it bursts. Thank you. In the same way then, with our thanks, as our hearts get full, we come to a point where we're so full of thanksgiving, we burst into praise. So full hearts equal praising mouths, inwardly thankful and outwardly grateful. So it needs to be a collaboration then between our hearts and our lips, what we're thinking about and feeling, and then what we say. So when we praise, we aren't just going through the motions, we're completely present. Our soul then connects with the Holy Spirit, and our worship takes us to a deeper place. Who's got 2 Corinthians 4? Come on, will you come to the front, Bev? Otherwise, people listening won't hear you. Thank you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to that which is written, I believe, and therefore did I speak, we also believe, and therefore also we speak, knowing that he that raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also with Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace, being multiplied through the many, may cause the thanksgiving to abound unto the glory of God. Thank you. So our overflow is for God's glory. I think it makes us feel good, but it's also primarily for God's glory. But what is the alternative of not counting our blessings? Um, We start complaining, we feel discontent, maybe there's unforgiveness that creeps in, maybe even bitterness, anger. When we look at the history of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, the mighty exodus the miracles they'd witnessed, the signs, the wonders, the parting of the sea, 
and less than two months into their freedom, they're complaining. In Exodus 16, um, if only we were back in Egypt, there we had meat to eat. You brought us here to starve. Imagine Moses' response with all that they've seen and they're complaining about what they're going to eat. And God, in his mercy, fed them. He gave them manna from heaven, food they hadn't worked for or planted, food they didn't earn, and fresh every day. But later on, they're complaining again. And it's God's graciousness that keeps them alive. So what are the consequences to behaving like this? Somebody got numbers 12. Oh, Lorraine. Numbers 12, 1 to 15. Miriam and Aaron began talking against Moses because of his Cusite wife, for he was married to a Cusite. Has the Lord spoken through, on, through only Moses? They asked. Hasn't he spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, very humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out of that tent meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of of cloud, and he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. And when the two stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then are you afraid to speak against? Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned amongst them, and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous, and it became white as snow. And Aaron turned towards her and saw that she was defining a skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask not that you hold this against us. The skin we have is foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from the mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. And the Lord replied to Moses, if her father has has spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days and after that she can be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside of the camp for seven days, and the people did not move until she was brought back in. Thanks, Lorraine. So we can see from that story there were consequences to grumbling, um, to her complaining, not just the skin disease, but there were consequences for the rest of the Israelites because, because of her, they were delayed in their journey for seven days. So in our lives then, 
Do we ever see our selfish mindset getting in the way of what God has planned for us? Have we ever missed what he said to us because we've been stuck in our desert days? In Deuteronomy, Moses goes on to urge the people to appreciate what God has done for them, not just for their benefit, but for generations to come. Remember what God has done. Remember and retell to your children and your children's children 30, 40, 50, 60 years of testimony. Remember your breakthroughs. Remember your struggles. Remember his mighty hand of deliverance, his cloud by day and his fire by night. Remember the peace he gave so that you could sleep. Remember the words, the scriptures, the pictures and the songs. Remember the moments of clarity, the relief and the wisdom he gave. Remember the strength you felt to keep going until it was all over. It's important then in our lives that we have uh, good people around us that can encourage us to remember what's got, what God's done in our lives, especially when we're facing a brick wall and we don't know what's next. It's really important to cultivate friendships where we can be accountable, where people who we trust can uh, challenge us when we're down in the dumps, when we're complaining about what God hasn't done, to have friends around us who can say, look at all the things that God has done for us. As we journal, as we write things down, um, we can be uh, more mindful, we can be re- uh, reminded of what he's done in our lives. It's also really important that we value the prophetic amongst us, not just individually, but what he's saying to us as a church. What hasn't been fulfilled? What, what are the things that we received from him uh, in terms of the prophetic that we're still holding on to? And do we ever thank God for the things that he hasn't yet done? So we might be wondering... If it's really difficult, where do we start? Well, um, this week, this is where I've begun. Okay, I'm not going to read all this now. You can have a look at this later. um, Oh, great. Okay, so this is something that really helped me. Um, I do do journaling, not as often as uh, I'd like to. But this is something that really helped me to be mindful of the things that I'm grateful for. So I started writing them down. Um, I've not yet run out of paper, so there's more to write. And if, if after I've been speaking, if you want to write something that's not on this list... I've got some pens here today, so we can do that later if you want to add to it. Who's got Psalm 148? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the skies. Praise him, all his angels. 
Praise him, all the armies of heaven. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord. For he issued his command and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. The Psalms are always a great uh, inspiration to us when we haven't got words to start with. And while I was preparing, I came across two beautiful examples in the New Testament, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah. It says um, in Luke that both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had a great sadness. They didn't have children. In those days, that was a really, um, uh, a really big status among the culture. Your children were people that would grow up to look after you in, in your later years. And for them, it was a great sadness. Um, and as Zechariah is a priest, his day comes for him to serve in the temple And while he's burning incense inside the temple, the people are outside worshipping or praying. And an angel comes to him. And the first thing it says about his angel's visitation is that he's gripped with fear. Now, fear is a real blocker to us. It's a real hindrance to receiving from God. And God addresses the fear straight away. In Luke 1, verse... Ah, thanks, Don. Don's going to read it for us. Luke 1, verse 11 to 17. All right, so Luke 1, 11 to 17. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Then the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take uh, wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 16. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Can you imagine this incredible news? So he's been waiting, he's been longing for a child And all of a sudden, this angel appears before him, not only telling him he's going to be a father, but telling him this child that is going to come into his life is going to prepare the way for Jesus. Not just any baby, but a really special baby. This is incredible news for Zechariah. But then the doubt creeps in. He's suddenly very aware of his situation in life. 
and he's not sure. But I'm really old and so is my wife. How can this be? Can we relate to this? Is the voice of doubt louder than the voice of God? We need to be really careful that when God speaks something over us, we're ready to receive it. We don't let fear and doubt get in the way of what God's saying to us. When, um, when we were in the preparations for moving last year, we had some real moments of doubt. Um, quite a few, actually. There were times where we just really didn't know what God was saying, what was going on. Um, we, almost, we were having conversations like, is this ever going to happen? Are we ever going to move? Is this house ever going to be a reality? And we don't actually think we can believe it until we're holding the keys in our hands. I even remember on moving day, um, bringing boxes downstairs and halfway through the day getting the phone call from the solicitor, it's all gone through, the house is yours, and just crying because I couldn't believe there was this seed of doubt still at the back of my mind that, that this was actually going to happen. So I can understand uh, Zechariah's response. But for him, there were consequences of his unbelief. He became mute and he couldn't speak then for the duration of the pregnancy. He'd had this incredible uh, moment, um, this incredible gift, this angelic visitation. And he comes out of the temple and he can't share it with anyone. Imagine hearing this wonderful news and the one person you want to speak to about it, you can't because you've got no words to say. So do we believe that God has good things for us? That's good. What about impossible things? Elizabeth, meanwhile, she knows this is God's doing. There's no other way but a miracle. She knows she's beyond childbearing years. And she knows this is something that God has done for her. And her joy is infectious. When she sees Mary, it says that Mary comes to visit her and on, the, on the, hearing the greeting, the baby in her womb leaps for joy. I just can't even get my head around that. It's incredible to me. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit. I just think, what a beautiful uh, gift, gifts that God has given her. So not only is she going to be a mother, but she's got this relationship now with Mary. They understand what God's doing in each other's lives. They can believe it. They receive it straight away. And then she has the gift of the Holy Spirit and she speaks out. And because of her exuberance, Mary then breaks into song. So fast forward some months. John is born. Zechariah gets his voice back. And he is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. So, not being able to speak for nine months, and then suddenly his, his mouth uh, is open, his tongue is loosed, and he praises God, and he's prophesying. This is such an incredible witness to all those around them. Proverbs 17, verse 22, says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So when we are grateful to God, it builds us up. 
It's good for the soul. It brings to mind the things God has done. It blesses those around us. It's a witness. It inspires our worship and leads us into God's presence. Just going to end with Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Amen.